Oh my gosh, on the planet Mars with Elon Musk. Just kidding. I'd never <laughs> hang out with that guy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Celine Gabrielle. And I'm JG Sackis. This is Art. Okay, cool. A podcast about life as an artist, specifically an emerging artist. The ins and outs, the ups and downs, the day to day behind the scenes stuff, the good, the bad, and everything else in between. All right, let's go. Hi, Jade. Hi, Celine. How are you? Good. How about you? I'm doing good. Um, We've got an interesting topic this week. So some of you might remember we did an episode entitled Artist Toolkit. Um, Go back and listen to it if you haven't. But since then, we've got a couple of questions asking if we can maybe tease out and go into a little bit more detail about how to build your artist resume, build your artist CV. So we're going to dive into that today. But before that, what have you been working on? Celine, what's going on in your life? All right. So with me, what have I been up to? Well, I mentioned in the podcast before that my husband's been working overseas, but he's been home for the last little while, but he left on the weekend so it's back to just me and because Nova Scotia here has gone back into lockdown again my kids are homeschooling so that's interesting although I have to say this time around it seems way more organized like the first time when that happened it was a shit show it was just a mess but this time like the teachers are in the classrooms the kids are unfortunately sitting in front of a computer all day but at least like their time is scheduled for them like it's not me trying to police their time as much as much Mm -hmm. obviously there's always policing when kids are expected to be doing stuff but so that's good um we'll see how that plays out because that was supposed to be over next week but today on the radio they said oh and possibly this will all be extended so so might be my new reality until the end of the school year and so juggling that is going to be challenging to say the least um but artistically on my own so luckily I have my home studio so that that works out for me so I have two things coming up I have an exhibit in Halifax um, starting the end of June going through July and then I've also already mentioned that I hopefully will be going to New York for the other art fair Brooklyn but those two overlap plus I don't think I have enough work for both of them (laughs) right so I'm really sort of trying to get into back into like hustle mode because when my husband was here he was not working and it was everybody was home and so anyway I'm just trying to like really focus and make some more work between now and the end of June and so to that point I did start a new painting this week so I'm happy about that obviously it's not finished because it takes me a while but at least it started Ooh, can you give me a hint what is like what are we what are we dealing with well so you know I like painting big Right. Mm -hmm. So I actually have like five paintings that I can use for these um, exhibits slash art fair. Um, But I really need like 10. And I know that price point is always an issue, but I really don't like painting small. It just doesn't work with my concept. So 
Anyway, long story short, I'm trying to paint a little bit smaller. So instead of like three by three, the one I started is a two by three. Mm-hmm. So that was good. But I cropped the image quite close so that I could still make it big. So I don't know. It's probably there's a few of the paintings I've done that have very little actual figure and mostly just clothes but this one is going to be one that's mostly just the fashion with a little bit of shoulder but barely any so anyway we'll see how it goes love that that's exciting yeah so how about you what are you what are you up to what's going on in toronto oh my god still nothing um (laughs) still nothing forever however i did get to book my first vaccine appointment yay when's that happening so I'm getting my first shot on Sunday which is like very exciting but then also I guess like throughout this whole process like wanting the vaccine so bad so I can get on with my life I totally forgot about my fear of needles so now I'm like trying to quietly not stress out about the fact that I have to get a needle soon oh no really (laughs) Yeah, I was like such a a bad needle taker as a kid. And it's crazy. Like I could, I've had like a bunch of piercings in my life. Piercings, no problem. But like a doctor or nurse tries to stick a needle in my arm and I'm like stressed out. Really? I always wonder why. Like, because I don't have that. Uh, Well, don't get me wrong. I don't like needles. But if I look away, I'm okay. Just don't look at it. That's, That's my approach. But what is it like? the needle or the idea of the medicine going in or them taking stuff out like like I don't even know what it is because it doesn't hurt I'm not like I'm not afraid of the pain like that's fine it's just like there's just some like instinctual aversion to it that my brain is like "Mm -mm, no 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 so (laughs) (laughs) so that'll be fun the last time I got blood taken I was like I'm gonna cry a little bit but it's not about you so don't worry about it (laughs) Just, like, pretend it's not happening. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's funny. But at least, you know, it is something you want. So, obviously, you'll just suck it up and get it done, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to be fully vaxxed by August. Nice. I'm still waiting because, obviously, I want to get vaccinated before, if the show goes through in New York, like, definitely before I have to go there. Um, So, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's basically like all that's happening here. Your art stuff, like you've been doing some sculpting. Are you still working on that? Uh, like taking a little bit of a break from that. I just need like a little bit of time to figure out what I want to do and if I like. I can't decide how I want the piece to stand. If I want it to be a standalone structure or if it's like a bust that like sits on like a stick for lack of a better word you know so I'm kind of at like a little bit of a a mental block there because I can't quite see how I want it to look and I feel like that decision is going to impact how I build the rest of it so I'm just kind of taking some time to play around to exciting art wise to be honest I've got, got the, the Toronto Outdoor Art Fair, the online edition coming up. Okay, good. Now we're going to move into our main topic, which is the artist's CV. 
So first question is, why is it, or maybe it isn't, we'll see, um, important to have an artist's CV? What do you think? Um, I think it's pretty important to have an artist's CV, even if you're just starting out, because it's kind of a snapshot. Um, and typically, if you're applying for anything, that's one of the first things that people are going to be looking for is that CV so that they can get that quick snapshot and see what you're about and kind of make decisions from there. Totally agree. That was one of the things when I decided, okay, I'm going to start applying for stuff that was on everything. And when I was starting, of course, I didn't have one. So I had to try to figure out how to put it together. But it's been so helpful um, to have that because it seems to just keep coming up over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, I think like an important thing to remember about your CV is, you know, we talked about this in the other episode and you're applying for things that are for emerging artists or artists who are just starting out. Um, the jury, the panel, whatever, they're going to know that. So don't be too hung up on how much is on there in the beginning. It's fine to, to just be starting. Like, that's okay. Yeah, agreed. Like, so I think the very first thing that I applied for that asked for a CV, I did not have any exhibiting history, any collectors, any anything like that. I didn't even have education being self-taught. So I, um, I did include a cover letter, which allowed me to share a little bit more of the reasons why there was nothing there and, and where I was at in my progression. So that's also something separate, but I mean, in a lot of cases, you can probably include something like that if you feel like it's really empty and you want to provide a little bit more information. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, we can maybe just jump right into like the section headers to yeah. get an idea of the things that you can put on there. Um, so for example, some of the, like, I would say probably the top three things, the education selected at exhibitions and notable grants or awards. And if you have none of those, <laughs> that's right. fine. Um, because there are some things that you can kind of put on there to fill things out a little bit. And I think one of the things that can be helpful with that is if you don't do a cover letter, like Celine mentioned, um, a profile section can be good. Mm. So depending on where you're applying to and what for, sometimes they give you an option to add your artist statement and bio, and sometimes they don't. So if you feel like your artist CV is a little bit, a little bit lacking, a little bit bare, do to kind of beef it up on there is do like a short short section called your profile um and kind of add some highlights from in that section and that's kind of like a mini cover letter section yeah I like that I like that idea I've seen that before too yeah and another another thing that can be good is memberships so um like for example as a glass artist I have been a member of the Glass Art Society, um, the Glass Art Association of Canada, um, Craft Ontario, which is a an arts organization. So if you have any memberships or affiliations in that capacity, that can be another good uh, subject line to kind of fill things out. If you're kind of transitioning from one world to another, 
maybe maybe in a past life you've you've done some writing or had some some works like that published that's a really good thing to put on there um and i would say typically you don't see things like skills and qualifications on an artist resume however again if you're feeling um, you can add that skills and qualifications section i would just make sure that it's very relevant to your art practice yeah that's a good idea too so for me some of the things you already mentioned are things I included online. So education awards. Um, I don't have any grants, but exhibits and or shows. But then, so I always find space is an issue because typically they're like one page to two pages max, generally. So I have like random stuff, for example, hosting this podcast that I like to include. So I, plus I'm a little... It's just my personality. So I have a section called fun stuff, which I have like the podcast and some of them are like that magazine that I was published in or just a few random things that I couldn't really give each a category to. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. You could call it miscellaneous. You could call I don't know what you want to call it on. Not you, Jade, but I mean the general you of anybody listening. But I think you know, if you are doing or like um, I was doing education through the paints program. And so there were just a few random things that didn't really deserve their own category. So for me, you know, I have like five or six things under this quote unquote fun stuff category. And it's kind of like a catch all. And that has worked for me. I know it's probably not traditional to include that but it works for me and it it allows me to point out some of the things that you know are a little bit unique yeah I think I think that's a great idea um and that kind of brings us into the idea of designing and branding your document because having that fun stuff section like you said that is very very you and I think that that's great for you Um, and I've seen, I've seen your, your documents, um, and I think they're branded beautifully. Um, and they're all very cohesive, which can be a pretty important factor as well. Yeah. So what do you, what do you use for yours? Like, do you have a design tool or do you just do it yourself? What do you do? I typically build mine, um, in InDesign, like Adobe InDesign, um, but that's just what I had worked on in college and that's what I'm familiar with. And that gives me a lot of freedom. Um, I can get really, really granular with being able to move things around and changing spacing. And that's something that's very attractive to me. Um, But there are tons and tons of templates. And typically what I do when I'm refreshing my resume or my documents is I'll go through a bunch of different templates and look for elements that I really like and kind of Frankenstein them all together into something that works for me. So what I use for all of my, I don't have in design, I wouldn't know where to start with that, but I have been using for the longest time um, Canva, mm-hmm. C-A-N-V-A. It is a free tool, so anybody who doesn't have access to designing programs can get this for free. Obviously, they also have an upgraded paid version, but I don't think you need it. Like I feel the free version offers so, so much, and again, they have templates. 
And they do have a cool feature too, where you um, can create like your brand kit. So for example, if I was using a template that was all yellow, which is not typically the colors that I use um, in, in with this type of thing, you can go into your brand kit and it will have all your fonts and your colors saved. So you can just tweak whatever template you choose to match what you've already established, which is pretty cool, especially for a free tool. So if anybody is looking for something free, I think Canva might be one to try. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a great suggestion. Um, now, InDesign you have to pay for, correct? Yeah, InDesign is paid for. It's crazy expensive. And I mooch off of my friend who has an, a, corporate, a corporate account through, uh-huh. through her work. So uh, Adobe used to be kind of not such a raw deal, but now, and if it's something that you're interested in learning how to do, um, my, my college education in the Adobe suite was pretty, pretty abysmal. Um, so what I ended up doing is just going through lynda.com, which is a like training and tutorial website. It is also paid, but if you have a library card, um, you can get free access through the library. That is so cool. I'm glad you mentioned that. I've seen that before, but I've, and I thought that is cool, but I've never, I've never tried using it for anything. So it's good to hear that it actually is useful. Yeah. And I think um, I'd have to check my facts on this, but I think that LinkedIn actually just bought Linda or recently bought Linda. So another cool feature that goes with it is if you complete the training through what was or is Linda um, and you use LinkedIn, you can add that to your profile as like a certification once you finish those courses. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Off on another tangent there. I don't use LinkedIn. Do you use that? I have a LinkedIn. I definitely don't use a LinkedIn. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I have it. Um, I don't, I don't use it. Um, But (laughs) Yeah, it's there in case anybody's looking for me. All right, cool. So sort of in the design um, area as well, what about format? Yeah, so I think formatting is really, really important. My my resume, my CV right now is kind of formatted into two main columns. So there's kind of like a skinny column that has all of the stuff that I can make a little bit shorter. So like my education, my residencies, those are pretty short text lines. And then the other half um, is selected exhibitions and then my notable grants and awards. So again, I think just like explore, explore those templates and find out what works for you. But once you do, you really want to make sure that you're sticking with not only the visual format, but like your text layout all the way through Um, because there's nothing worse than opening up a resume and, you know, one section is date first. The other section is title first. The other section is place first. So you want to do the thing that everybody says all the time is put all the most important stuff first. So for me, I feel that the most important stuff is the date that the thing happened, the institution 
that it happened in because that's that that's where your bragging right comes you don't want to bury the lead right if you have an exhibition at a really wonderful place you want that to be first and foremost so that people recognize that thing and they're like oh that's awesome great and then the title of that thing and then the physical location on the globe of that thing that's how I do kind of my taxonomy on my documents okay so say that again so you do the date the and date. then institution Yep. The title of the thing. So if that's an exhibition title or a job title or a program title, whatever. Yep. And then the physical location on the globe. So for example, 2020 artist project untapped Toronto, Ontario. Okay. Love that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. I have nothing to add. I agree. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Uh, Another I'll say I'll say one more note um, just on your formatting. It can be very tempting to get a little <laughs> footloose and fancy free with your font choices. Stick to like no more than two families, I would say. Two families of font kind of you can have your like razzle dazzle font and then your body font and stay with those two families. And if you want to get a little bit more creative for whatever reason, you're like really into just having a million typefaces going on, pick two families that have different like line weights so that you can do like your bold, italic, semi-bold, demi-bold, whatever. Um, But try and keep those tastefully varied. Yes. And I would say too, just stick with like your razzle dazzle for, um, the technical term. Thank you, Jade. Uh, (laughs) For like maybe your headers and then just make your body really, really legible. I don't think razzle dazzle is needed there because I feel like as somebody with not the best vision either, I think it's important to have it, you know, as clear for people as possible. And also to that point, I think the size of your text is or your font is important too because again back to the whole one page versus two page max when you do start getting more to add on your resume you don't want to shove it so tight that your font is like a teeny tiny font that is illegible so I mean I don't know what font size do you think I'm thinking like 10 maybe for the smallest that I would want to go personally what do you think yeah I try not to go smaller than nine I don't think anything smaller than nine is acceptable and you probably don't want to go any bigger than 12 yeah I would agree and I think you have to remember um A lot of the times people are reading these things digitally. So there is the benefit of being able to zoom. That said, you still don't want to be using a size like five font on your documents ever, basically. Well, and I also just feel like if you have to use a size five to shove everything in, you need to edit. Yeah, editing. Much there anyway. And I think a good tip for editing, as you kind of progress as an artist, I would say... Unless it's incredibly significant or very, very impressive, you can basically cut anything that's more than 10 to 15 years old. You know, I'm certainly not putting my high school. I think the the oldest thing I have on my resume is, I think, 11 years old, but it is because it is like a significant award. 
that like means something in my community. Yeah. Now for me, I can't even go back that far. So I don't have that problem as of yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you will someday. It's a good point. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So another thing, what about the language? So like words that we're choosing to use, what do you have to say about I love I know you love language and words. So I'm gonna let you go to town with this one. Yeah, I think that um I think it is important to use like clear and direct language. That said, um you can get a little fancy, a little a little tricky in there. Um to maybe make yourself to give yourself the illusion of that there's more going on there. So like, for example, I always in my, in my documents, I always use the term like selected exhibitions. Um, And that implies that these are the ones that I've chosen for this specific application for this project for whatever. Um, And for me, in my case, because I've been at this for 10 plus years, it is selected exhibitions. I haven't included everything I've ever done on there. Um, There are some things that are too old or some things that are like too like small or rinky dink that I don't want to include on there. But if you're just starting out, titling that section selected exhibitions can be a good idea, provided you have like more than one on there. Right. You don't want to say selected exhibitions and then it's just one. You chose one. That's that's going to be a little bit suspect. Um, and the other thing that I do that's kind of uh, crafty with words is the my, my grants and awards section is now notable grants and awards. So when I started out... Um, Again, I would include absolutely everything. Um, So a lot of the awards that I received in college and things like that um, were were based on not only merit, but also financial need. Um, So the the awards that I have on my CV right now are all merit-based. Whereas when I was getting started, I had a lot of those financial need bursaries and awards, which are great and totally valid. Um, But if I'm limited to one page, one sheet, I want to focus on all of the merit-based things first. Okay, explain that a little bit more. So what do you mean, the what did you say, the second part there, the one's financial need? Yeah, so so uh, like when you're in college and university, um, I encourage you to do a ton of research about what your institution has to offer in the way of financial assistance, especially if you're struggling. When yeah. I was in school, I applied for everything. So I think every year I applied for upwards of like $50,000 worth of funding. Okay. And I would typically get anywhere from like five to $12,000 back from that funding. Okay. Um, and a lot of that was because I was in the financial need category. So you'll, you can come across bursaries, for example, um, that want you to submit a portfolio of your work. So that's your merit. Um, but they also want you to submit a statement of financial need. Um, so explain your financial situation and why why you need the money and how you would use the money if you got it type of thing. Okay. 
So when you were in school and starting out on your CV, you would include those, but now you don't. Yeah, I would include all of them. And now I don't just because I don't think that they like they're they're not bad. Um, If I had more space, I would include everything. But if I have to make edits, those are the ones that I'm probably going to edit out over something that is strictly merit based. Cool. Got it. Makes sense. The only other thing about the words that I will bring up with you is I know that people have mentioned to me that back to the whole exhibits and shows is that curated shows seem to be, I don't want to say better, but I don't know, like that they hold more weight. And so what do you think about that? Like when we talked about the, you know, the date, the institution, should you add that it was a curated or does that matter? Like, what do you think? Um, I think that this is totally just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to specify if it's curated or not. I have just assumed that if you're in a show, it's a curated show. Um, but I will say that once you start to grow your practice and have a little bit more experience, so like for you, Celine, um, you you just had your first solo exhibition, right? Yeah. So I've only had one solo exhibition. You've only had one solo exhibition. I'm not going to create a separate section on my CV for solo exhibitions, probably until I have at least three. Right. I'm not going to create a separate section for just one thing. What I will do is make a note in that line of the CV that that show was a solo exhibition. Okay. Yeah, because I've seen in more mature um, artist CVs. And actually, FYI, for anybody who wants more info, a lot of artists put their CV on their website. So you can check out what other people are doing if that's helpful to you. And so that's also a fantastic way to find out about grants and awards. And that's how I found a lot of mine. It's going through artist CVs and figuring out what that what they've been awarded and uh, researching those. Yeah. And so what I've noticed back to what you were saying about solo um, is if they're, you know, a longstanding, well-established artist, which is not necessarily us since this is a podcast for emerging artists. But anyway, I've noticed that they would have instead of exhibits and shows, they would have like group show section and then like a solo show section and maybe list their top ones in each of those categories so they've further broken it down once you get to that point which is something just to have in the back of your mind for down the road I guess yeah cool agreed all right anything else we want to say about CVs no I think that's a I think that's a good primer yeah I think that sort of breaks it down a little bit more for people who wanted more details and um, gives you somewhere to dive into. And honestly, guys, if you have any questions or want us to elaborate a little bit more on anything we've said, Jade and I are totally open. So just reach out to us through uh, probably our Instagram um, at art. Okay, cool. Because we both check that. And so we can get back to you. So yeah. What about Super cool. Um, I actually kind of have one, uh, which is a shock and surprise to everybody involved. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. But yeah, I uh, I Netflix has a new a new movie out that was really really fun. Um, it's called The Mitchells versus Machines. So it's like an animated movie about a girl and her family getting ready to go to college, and then like the robot apocalypse. But it's one a super cute story film feel good family friendly all that um but the thing that really stood out to me is the the animation style of the movie is so interesting and so unique i think it's um kind of i mean i'm not informed at all but kind of like cutting edge in the in the world because it has that really 3d animation vibe but then it's also very much um it looks very illustrated. So there, it's the combination of that like 3D digital animation and 2D digital animation kind of overlapped and moving within and through each other throughout the whole movie. So visually, it's really, really engaging um, and just kind of like an exciting prospect for um, like visual storytelling. Um, so I thought it was one, just like a really fun, cute, easily digestible film and then also just like a really impressive use of like so many different techniques and styles cool yeah I really recommend it it was a lot of fun and like just really really super cool to watch is it full length full length baby full length all right okay cool what about you what's super cool this week okay so the super cool thing I want to share with all of you guys is Something that they are doing at the AGO, which is, what does the A stand for? Art Gallery of Ontario. Oh, yeah. <laughs> art? I, uh, like, art? Gallery Ontario. What's the A? I what could the A possibly be? <laughs> oh, Lordy, poor Celine. So, yes, the Art Gallery of Ontario, which is located in Toronto. And, you know, I'm not in Toronto, but... I don't even know. Oh, actually, I think it was Instagram. So I follow them on Instagram and um, they are running something right now called Portraits of Resilience. And I know that not the whole world is in lockdown, but if you listen every week, you hear me and Jade going on and on about how we are still in Canada dealing with this. And so they've picked up on that. And I'm just going to read you directly from their website, how they describe it. So they say, what are we doing? All around are stories of resilience. Now is the time to reflect and share them. Portraits of Resilience invites artists of all ages and skill levels to help us picture the past and move forward together. Let us know what resilience means to you by submitting an image of your art. Oh, sorry, artwork between, well, up to June 25th. So we're still in May. You have time. Um, submissions will be featured in an online gallery on the AGO.ca. And in addition, select submissions will be in a curated presentation on site at the AGO, which is in Toronto. So um, I just think it's really cool because, A, I was just looking at all of the work submitted. So it says portraits, but it doesn't have to be a portrait, FYI. People are submitting whatever their version of that is. And it's actually open to everybody. So all makers of all ages across Canada and around the world, because I know we have a lot of international listeners. So this is a major gallery. And just to have your work as part of this 
online feature is pretty cool. And then, I mean, who knows? Maybe your art will be selected and shown on site. And it's free to apply. So it's free to apply. It's open to all ages. It's open to anybody around the world. And all you have to do is go to ago.ca to either look at it or submit your work. So I just wanted to share that with everybody um, because I think it's it's just really cool and interesting to see how people are responding to the times we're living in. Yeah, that's so cool. It's so, uh, so much fun. You're so good at these. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good old Instagram, you know. Um... All right. So that is going to be it for today. But we just wanted to remind everybody that our book club this month is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And we did share that already with you guys. And we've gotten a lot of people reaching out and saying how much they love that book. And so I just want to tell you guys, we've mentioned this before as well, but always a reminder that A, you can send us your feedback and thoughts via Art OK Cool on Instagram. The other cool thing you can do is we create this podcast on Anchor. And so if you go to Anchor and find Art OK Cool, there's a spot there where you can enter a message to us. So it automatically records a one-minute message. If you're going to leave us a message with feedback or something you want to share about Big Magic, if you've already read it, we might include it in the podcast. So just make sure you say your name and where people can find you online so that if we use it in the podcast, you get a little shout out. Um, Yeah. So we're hoping to get some of your feedback before we release that episode in the next couple of weeks and include some of your thoughts and opinions. So please reach out to us and give us, give us that information. That's really easy to find. uh, If you type in just anchor.fm slash art. Okay, cool. You'll be able to find that page where you can submit those. Yeah, and actually, to that point, I act- I did put the link in our Art OK Cool Instagram. So even if you find us on Instagram, if you go in our bio, the link to leave the message is there. If that all is way too complicated, the other thing I should mention, too, is just send us a voice, voice message, and um, we can figure out how to use that, too, if that's easier. The other thing I wanted to mention is what topics do you guys want to hear in future episodes? We're always interested in trying to be really helpful to you guys. So whatever topic that you're struggling with or you want us to do a bit of research and discuss, let us know. And so with all of that said, Jade, where can everybody find you between now and next week? Oh my gosh. On the planet Mars with Elon Musk. Just kidding. I'd never (laughs) hang out with that guy. (laughs) You can find me at Color Worship on Instagram. BeSadness.com. Celine, where can everybody find you? I am CelineGabrielleArt.com and on Instagram and Facebook at CelineGabrielleArt. And then both of us, like I already mentioned 3,000 times in this episode, can be found at our Instagram page at ArtOKCool. And last thing I'm going to ask you guys is if you have a second, would you please head on over to Apple and leave us a little review? It helps other people find the podcast, the more reviews and ratings it gets, and we really appreciate it. Or you can also take a screenshot of your favorite episode when you're listening and maybe share that in your Insta stories. 
tag us so we can reshare and yeah just help us spread the word about the podcast that would be really appreciated so that's it for this week we'll talk to you next